Join Hans and Scotty at the University Federal Credit Union's grand opening. Their Lehigh Meadowbrook branch opens Monday the 20th, and Hans and Scotty will be there from 10 to 2. 101 North, 1200 East in Lehigh. NBA predictions are coming out. ESPN projecting the Jazz to win 55 games, finish the top spot in the West, two games in front of the Lakers. Who's buying it? Are you in or are you out? Our Paul Tent says, I'm guessing they're facting in injuries that are bound to happen with both teams. Probably affect the Lakers more. That seems about right to me. Jazz on 55 wins in first place. Lakers, 53 wins, finishing second. Yeah. I, was... I can buy, well, they just finished in the top spot. It wouldn't shock me if they did again. With all the no, I'm expecting age. It. Around the conference, I would expect lots of players being rested. In the past, occasionally you try to avoid a matchup or hit a matchup, but it seems like rest has been the overwhelming priority. I think the Lakers and the Jazz, though, are the only age teams. Yeah, Brooklyn's got the age over in the East. Are the Suns going to rest Chris Paul? They've got a bunch of young guys, but they got a key older guy. They don't have the age to the roster the way the Jazz and Lakers do. But if they rest Chris Paul, what happens? Chris Paul refuses to rest. That's the one thing he hasn't done. Now, he's been injured, so that has taken care of it. But he wasn't injured last year. I mean, I guess he got injured in the playoffs, but he still played through it. I don't think he missed any games. So if I'm looking at age, you've got the Jazz with some nucleus uh, at 33 or older. And obviously the Lakers are way old. And Denver's young. Portland, I don't view them as an old team. They didn't. They didn't really get older, did they? Am I missing anybody? What about the Warriors? <clears throat> Curry's not a spring chicken anymore. Is he thirty-three? I think so. Yes. Don't know when his birthday falls. When? Uh, but who else on that team is old? Draymond Green. How old is he? Draymond's in his early thirties now. Get Clay Thompson coming off multiple major injuries. Right. Yeah, that won't be so much age as you know how but healthy does he. I think feel. he's upper twenties now. So yeah, but upper twenties. That's nothing wrong with that. Most guys don't win until. I would in be that surprised age. if the Jazz finished with the best record in the West I on wouldn't. fifty-five wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they're number one, but not at fifty-five. Somebody in the West is going to win more than fifty-five games, and it may be uh, them. Fifty-five seems low for the top spot. Not necessarily. Not to me. Talking about one or two games more, start getting to 57, 58. That's that has happened in the past. It could happen again. There's usually a 60 win team in the West, but, yeah, but, it's, so but it's been done at 57. So loaded. <laughs> it's been loaded before. <laughs> this isn't the first time we've said that. We've said that more than we haven't said it. Sure, but there was. A, a mindset of playing all the time. Yes, and I think and that, that is that the reason it's gone. Right. Whether it's age or injury or just the heck routine. Everyone else is doing this, so we're going to do it too. Yeah. Yeah, so 
I, I 55, 56, 57, what difference does it make? Uh, to me, health is a significant issue, obviously, but it's no more of an issue for one team versus another right now. And with that in mind, if they have it, I don't see any reason why they don't have the best record in the West. Did it last year, why not do it again? Fewer games, maybe they could have been caught. The more games you play, the more games Conley's going to miss. Ten more games on the schedule this year. Yeah. The plans to play 82. Last year they played 72. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know it's the plan. I mean, it's just the way it is. The, the talent is there. This is a complete and total win-now mode. And I was thinking about this. I think out of negative situations, you can take positives. And with Mitchell losing his explosiveness and still going 39-9 and in that last game, it's like he had to learn how to play at 32-33. And he did. So for him, his greatness, he's got so many more years to come because he couldn't explode, but yet he still found ways to be effective. And I think that obviously you lose your athleticism little by little as you get older. Now, he's only 24, or I think he turns 25 this month, right? He may have, his birthday's coming up. Uh, so he still can be very explosive. He'll look that up. Give him I'm looking it up. Give yeah. him something to do. You're in, the middle of, uh, you're in the middle of a long take here. I got time. All right, I'm done. I think you're right. I think that adding that to your game at that age, when clearly he still should be very athletic, he just turned 25 actually earlier this month. Yeah. Clearly he should still be very athletic for another five years, whatever you start to lose in the 30s, whatever. But to have that knowledge that I know how to score even when I don't dare get airborne and land on that ankle, and when the other team starts to figure that out and you still light him up, that can only be a positive. Assume he's going to be healthy now. Most definitely, yeah. So it's just more variation in your game, more different ways to score. Great. Yeah. So he's got so much great basketball ahead of him that it's just incredible. And he's going to get better, too. That's what's amazing to think that he's, he's a kid now, but he's going to blossom even more so. So with that in mind... And the guys around him, because you need guys around you. Doesn't matter who you are. Just look at Lillard. You know he's awesome, Hall of Famer for sure. But they're struggling to to get to the playoff and and get out of the first round because he didn't have a lot of help around him. Well, the Jazz have a lot of help around him. With that in mind, man, there's no reason why they don't continue to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the additions. We're excited about them. We're not sure. It'll be something we'll watch, obviously. And if they come through. They'll be a better team than last year. On paper, I believe they're better. It, well, yeah, you just put the qualifier if they come through. Right. Hmm, and we've seen signings that have come through. We've seen signings that have surprised us. Guys have been better than we expected. We've also seen signings that have been a major disappointment, and guys have been off the team before the first of the year. Yeah, one guy. Or to the bench before the first of the year. More so. Which is basically the same thing anyway. Right. Uh, I'm anticipating that these these individuals will be able to uh, be 
additions that will help. They will not be just disappointments. Because the great thing about it, the better your team, the less you need out of those additions. So you don't need Whiteside to be what he was. There's uh, a lot to be twenty whatever. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for yeah. that. How much you expect guys to do? The player is the player, and then depending on how much you need out of him, it gets viewed as a success or a bust. Yeah. And that's the whole deal with the buyouts, which is the reason not to get too crazy on these preseason predictions. Rosters are going to change. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be trades. Teams will fill holes on their roster with whoever gets bought out late in the year. And you're getting bought out because you're not delivering because you're expected usually to do a lot, if not everything, for your team. And you can't do that. Either you never could or maybe you can't do it anymore. Advancing age, losing all that athletic ability. But then you go somewhere where you just got to do one or two things that you do best, and now you look really good again. Because you're not carrying the whole load. Yeah, uh, I don't know that the guys that they added were ever able to carry the whole load. It's still about the stars. Yeah. And the fact that the Jazz stars should be getting better should be exciting. Should be helpful. Uh, is Gobert getting better, though? No, I was talking about Mitchell. Oh, you said stars. Know. Yeah, that's a question. Is Gobert getting better? I assume when, shoot? You said, when you said stars, I assume you included him. I was talking about stars on other teams. I was thinking plural stars. League-wide meaning, stars. Yes, meaning the Jazz star, the Lakers star. Gotcha. Down the line, the okay. Warriors star. Okay. But that's still a good question. Is Gobert getting better? In the couple specific areas I have questions, largely I think he is who he is. But I think the free throw line with him is a wild card. I think he should be mid-60s. Could he get better and shoot 70%? That would be a plus if he did, for sure. Or does he miss some big ones? All of a sudden, he's struggling to get to 60%. Can't completely rule that out. Yeah, I really haven't so seen him room there. where they've lost games because he's sucked at the free throw line. I don't not, think not it's purely. an epidemic with him. He goes and streaks. Uh, so I, I think he is who he is there, and it's okay. You know, I don't know that I want him on the line with the uh, NBA Finals uh, uh, riding on it. <laughs> You're flashing back to Kareem. Hey, Kareem, hit these two big free throws. Well, there was somebody who I was flashing back to. Carl. He didn't hit him, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, he's probably not going to get the ball in that situation anyway. And if he gets the ball, that means he's got a dunk attempt. And so I, I don't. That doesn't keep me awake at night at all. His free free throw ability. I'm not sure he's going to get better. I don't anticipate him adding anything to his game that we haven't already seen. Agreed. But that doesn't mean he's not a star. Whereas Mitchell, I'm just going to sit back and have a smile on my face. And watch that kid go. Because I think he can get better. He can get wiser. He's talked about it. You know, talked about more fit, better efficiency, a better facilitation, all those things. Sure, yeah, he can get better at all of them. He's already awesome. In my mind, he's already all league caliber. And can he take the next step? Whatever that next step is. I don't know what the next step is. I can't really define it right now. 
because I think he's so awesome as is. But I believe he can take it, even though I'm not really sure what that entails. I believe he can. He will get better. What does that mean? What does that mean in raw statistics? What does that mean in um, unidentifiable stuff that aren't we aren't like Gobert? We went nuts on the screen assist. Well, we're never going to go nuts on on Mitchell's screen assist. That's not going to be a part of his game. But we're going to see improvement, and it may be like watching your kid grow. You can't really see it in the moment, but if you look at pictures over time, you saw it. But that's and that's what I think happened in the Clippers series. Nobody saw it happening, but he was limited. He wasn't explosive as far as blowing by somebody to get to the hoop. He couldn't get airborne because he didn't dare land on the thing. His options were reduced, and he went for 39 against a team who thought, that's our primary problem. We got to make sure that guy doesn't go berserk. And he went for 39. And see, I think that's good, though. It is good. Because I, I think don't it's know a major step forward. I necessarily want him going airborne and all that stuff. The more airborne you go, the, the more chances chance coming down and going wrong. up. Right. Yeah. It's, and they think that, too. It's why they taught him that, I don't know, what is four years ago or whatever it was. They suddenly taught everybody to do that scoop laying where you don't even jump. Hey. You get the shot off, the shot blocker won't see it coming, and you don't put yourself at risk. Literally shot the way, and it wasn't just one guy. They changed Exum, they changed Donovan Mitchell, they changed Joe Ingles. Multiple guys, the way they're shooting that layup. Conley wasn't on the team at that point. I don't think Mitchell can be better than Lillard, but I think he'd be as good. Take as good with a good team around him. No no, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. Lillard's yeah. just, Lillard, and see, there's two ways to measure it. One... The regular season stats. Not three, two? Only two that I can think of. But okay. you'll come up with a third because you know I'm getting this wrong. You just haven't decided how yet. All right, I'll pay attention. One, the scoring average keeps going up. We judge stars by that. Guys get to 30 points a game. We lose our mind. Wall's ability to score in huge numbers is why he's got 90-plus million over the next two years. And we were talking about that yesterday. And another team's given up on him. I don't, know, don't build around this guy. So one, Donovan could do that in the regular season. His stats could go off the charts even more. Two, you're better in the biggest moments in the playoffs. The team's struggling to score. Oh my gosh, that team just hit another three. Donovan just goes down and hits a three and quiets the crowd. You get even better in the bigger moments. You get That's what Lillard's got. Cold-blooded in the biggest moments, nobody doubts him. Yeah, first round. Right. And they don't get beyond that very often. Now, he was in one conference final a couple of years ago. That's on but, his team, not on him. Right. In the biggest moments, you think, well, he'll hit a three to win the series. And they'll knowing that, they'll defend him to hit a three to win in another series a couple of years later. And so he'll back out to 37 feet and hit it and wave bye-bye. I don't think he'll have uh, Lewis range. But I don't think that's necessary. Just be able to score behind Nobody your three-point Nobody remembers Jordan's line. taking 35, 40-footers. <laughs> right. Right. It's, be- it's becoming a thing. But whatever. Just find a way to score however you do it. Go to the free throw line. It's not well, it's not a highlight, but it's wildly team efficient. Win. Yeah. LeBron has got p- plenty of game winning passes, as we know of MJ does, obviously. Game winning passes, yeah. game winning rundown block, game winning oh, wow. three pointers straight away, whatever you need, just provide what you need in that moment. So that's why I'm not concerned about his statistical Output because I think that'll take care of itself. His stats will be fine no matter what they are. 
it's going to be a bunch of little things. I don't know that we'll be able to see it and identify it, but we'll know it's there because it's going to be reflected in his ability to have his team win. He's a superstar. Without question, he's a superstar. And now it's gotten to the point it's his ability to get his team to win in the playoffs. Yes. The regular season, and you've yelled at me about caring about the regular season and regular season results too much, but I think when you're climbing, it really matters. But now they have been to the top spot, and they know they can do it, and the core of that team is back. So it really oh, is about what they do They're not paying all this money and luxury tax to lose. <laughs> it really is about what they do in the playoffs. They, they've proven everything they can prove in the regular season. They have For the sure. best record Agreed. in the NBA. Yes. So now, more than ever, what can you do in the playoffs? Yes, definitely. And if you'd won it all without getting the best record in the league, well, nobody would care. But you have had the best record in the league, so it really is on the playoffs now. All right, coming up next, back to football, Lincoln Kennedy. Called a crazy Monday night game with Brent Musburger yelling jackpot a half dozen times. The game was over, but it wasn't over. We'll talk with him about that and where the Raiders sit as the injuries pile up. And the Pac-12 after two weeks and already a coaching change. Lincoln is next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports. What do you expect this weekend from that Sun Devils-Cougars matchup here in Provo? It's going to be interesting because I'm not quite sure that Arizona State has been playing up to their potential. I mean, this was a team that, you know, frankly, had it not been for the NCAA investigation and everything that's been going on off the field, that you could make a legitimate case this is probably one of the favorites in the Pac-12 South. I don't think they've been quite as sharp offensively. You kind of expect a little bit more, and, and we haven't quite seen that. I think that's kind of reflected in this close line. I mean, BYU is playing well. They've got a lot of momentum coming into this. And, and as you guys know, they take these games against Pac-12 opponents seriously. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if BYU comes in there and just physically makes ASU pay in the trenches in particular in this game. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined once again by Lincoln Kennedy, analyst for the Pac-12 Networks and Raiders radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? <laughs> We're good. We're just wondering how you are. I was sitting next to Brent Musburger while he yelled jackpot so many times. <laughs> it was a crazy Monday night game that looked like it was over multiple times, but it isn't over till it's over. True story. True story. You're absolutely right. And uh, it was it was funny because the the first jackpot we thought that the game ended when Brian Edwards, you know, looked like he crossed the goal line, but but you know we were trying to. I was trying to slow him down because I saw the referee going over to the monitor to check the replay. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is not clear, even though the, the guys were out in the field shaking hands and everything else. So we had to play a little bit more, but, you know, the Raiders were able to finish it, and, and it, was, it was a great game. First game with fans in there, right, as far as yeah. uh, the Raiders. How was the atmosphere? Uh, electric. I mean, really, it, that's the best way to describe it. It was... It, there was a frenzy even before the game started. Um, you know, I, I think you know going into Vegas, uh, just personally speaking, a lot of people thought that you know this is going to be different. It's going to be you know how Vegas, Vegas is about glitz and entertainment. But you know to have Gladys Knight sing the national anthem, 
and you had Too Short and Ice Cube doing the halftime show. You had a, a host of celebrities all through the monitor every time there was a TV timeout and everything else. Uh, it, was, it was something to see. Uh, and, and I think the fans really enjoyed it because there, it's been, you know, I've been affiliated with the Raiders for quite some time, but never have I found an electricity quite like that was uh, on Monday night. So I'm curious, is there any uh, sense in Vegas how many of those fans were from Vegas and are now embracing the team? How many are people who flew in from Oakland? Because those people are hardcore. And how many people drove up from L.A.? Because they still got a pretty good fan base from there from their days in the 80s and 90s. Well, the Raider Nation has always been well-traveled. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are. I remember when playing, my playing days, didn't matter where we went, um, there was always a good uh, foundation of fans that were going to support and go and travel with the team. So it's anyone's guess where they all came from. But the, the fact is, is that they showed up. The Raiders now have a true home in Allegiant Stadium. And I think the fans that showed that, that were there really appreciated the fact that this was the Raiders' home. More importantly, the way it showed on TV, I know there are a lot of people who were mad that they missed it. I was really impressed with just the ability to come back because it looked like they had the potential to get the game get away from them. Yeah. Because it looked like it was all about Baltimore early, obviously, and then we know what happened. I'm wondering, as I watch Carr, it seems to me, and you would know much better, that he has the potential to be an elite quarterback in this league. What would you say to that? I think he's always had that potential. It's just his discretion and his decision-making. One of the things that stood out to me about Carr in that, in that last performance on Monday night is the fact that 19 times he tried to go to Darren Waller, and he completed 10 of the passes. Um, it, it seemed almost forced. It wasn't until the second half to where I think things settled down. And, look, I've been one of those guys who's all along said, I think everyone needs a preseason for nothing more than timing and just getting into a, a, a sort of a groove on how the game day works. Um, there were a lot of timing passes that that car missed, um, uh, and he settled down in the second half and made a lot of completions, a lot more completions than he did in the first half. But uh, I think the 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 possibility of being quote unquote elite has always been a part of him because he's a he's a quarterback that's capable of making all the throws. I just don't know when he gets later in the season if he's not so predictable and 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 so you know so well read that that he can't separate himself from everyone else. So what happened, I always think of the Ravens, whether their defense is good or great, it never seems to be worse than good. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in the fourth quarter, the Raiders are shedding it. I mean, they're, they're down. They needed three separate scores in the fourth quarter. They're behind yeah. three times. And they got all three to get to OT. What did they do? What, what changed everything? Turnovers. The, the Ravens had turnovers. Um, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball a couple times, most notably in, uh, in, in overtime uh, when they got the ball back after the interception. Look, the, the, the thing is that the, I think the Raiders were fortunate to win this football game, um, but they, they got a little bit of a hint to what's going to go on this season. Teams are going to walk into the Raiders or play the Raiders noting, noting that they want to take Darren Waller out of the equation. Derek Carr has to recognize that. You can't force the ball to a guy who's being double covered. You've got to go somewhere else. And it wasn't until he started going other places to where the open the offense actually opened up. Um, and they were fortunate enough to have time to do that. More importantly, with the turnovers and the miscues by, by Lamar Jackson, um, he played right into their hands. 
being very careless and loose with the ball allowed the Raiders to stay into it, and most notably, after the interception on the uh, on the goal line in overtime, and when the the Ravens had the ball, you know, to to miscalculate a blitz or adjusting the, the formation of blitz, you let a defensive end come free off the right side. Carl Nassib, that's who calls the, uh, the, the fumble on Lamar Jackson, being careless with the football. That's what led to the, uh, to the demise of the Ravens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Jackson, uh, MVP, electric, and all that. But does he got what it takes through the throw, as Kyle Whittingham would say, the throw game for him to take that next step? He does. They they have to have a run game. Unfortunately, they've been hampered by injuries. We saw yeah. some flashes out of Tyson Williams um, um, over the, the, the you know Monday night. He was able to come through. I think Latavius Murray was was a great addition for him. But Latavius still has to learn the the offense um, as well as any other running backs they want to have back there. But they have to have a running game. They have to be balanced. Um, they don't have enough on the receiver side to really open things up other than Marquise Brown. And when you look at uh, the Ravens' Lamar Jackson, um, there are still some times he struggles with his reads and struggles with reading defenses. Um, but the fact is, is that he's such an electric player. He can do things on his legs. I think he wants to show this season what I got from him in one game is that he wants to show that he can do it with his arm. And I think that's a mistake. You have to be balanced. Take what the defense gives you. And more importantly, when they, when they open up a holes for you to run, use it. The NFL season is longer than ever now with 17 games, so there's yeah. plenty of time to get off to a good start and wreck it. There's plenty of time to get off to a bad start and rally and save it. But the division did go 4-0. Any surprises in the AFC West, or you saw it all coming? No, I, you know what? I've I said all along when they, were, when they were talking about the overall competition for the, the, the division, that we know what you're going to get out of Kansas City. That's already been established over the last couple of years. I think the Chargers are on the rise. Obviously, now they've got a quarterback. They just mismanaged some games, you know, collectively last season, which I thought they would have a better record. Uh, and then Denver eventually is going to figure it out. They had too many good pieces not to figure it out, but they're going to figure it out. And, and whether it's with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or they decide to go somewhere else, Denver is always going to be competitive. So it's going to be a competitive division. And that's why when people were talking about the over and under for the Raiders, I said, look, with the schedule they have, playing the, uh, the AFC uh, East uh, and then um, and as well as play, or North, I should say, as well as playing the NFC East, um, it, it, there's it's going to be a very tough, difficult schedule. And the Raiders, you know, look, were very scarred from Monday night. They were able to come with the win, but yesterday, guys, they had 17 yeah. guys on the injured list, uh, and, and three guys were, uh, two guys were lost for the season: Denzel Good and Gerald McCoy. Uh, so it was a very hard price to pay for the win on Monday night. You have been consistent on your thoughts on the preseason. And we've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers basically take the whole year off, nothing yeah. that he did in the off season, and then he goes out and stinks. You draw a direct correlation there. Yes, I do. I do. You know, look, understanding and uh, understanding situations, and scenarios is one thing, and I think pros and veterans like Aaron Rodgers can do that. But there's a timing that's that that comes with the game and a game feel. There's there's. There's a rhythm that you get in. There's a certain type of energy that you exude when you're playing actually a football game rather than going through practice. Practice, you're just trying to get through it. 
your brother-in-law and across the board. I remember as an offensive lineman that I would never try to take out my my frustrations and my aggressions on my teammates. You know, the, the, the practice. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But when you come to a game, I, I, I saw red. You had a different colored helmet on. I was trying to take your head off. I was trying to decapitate you. That's a different energy, even if it was even the preseason. Even if I was only playing two series, it's still the energy that's, that's there. Um, the reason why I think preseason is necessary is because there's a rhythm that you get in when you go through a game-time situation. Everything from the setup to the pregame to the introduction, everything, the game time, managing your energy, everything, that's all different. That can only be displayed in practice when you do it. Preseason, to me, is essential for everyone. And you don't have to have a lot of it. But you still have to have the essential of building up and working towards that. And I think you saw Derek Carr was, it was the main example, but you guys mentioned Aaron Rodgers. The timing was off. The timing with his receivers on crossing routes, that takes time. I mean, that, that, that takes doing. You have to do it full speed, not just practice. It takes you doing. Now, so when you, when you talk about preseason, from everyone, from offensive line, the quarterbacks, everyone across the board, everyone needs to see some snaps to get into a rhythm and understand that lather of what it, what it means to be in a game-day situation. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raiders radio analyst and Pac-12 network analyst. So the Pac-12 South, we had it all figured out, except USC's lost their head coach, ASU's <laughs> lost three assistant coaches, USC or Utah's lost a game to a rival, USC's lost a conference game, and UCLA took down LSU. How much are you rethinking what you thought about the Pac-12 South? How much do you still believe what you thought about the Pac-12 South? You know what? It's 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 anyone's guess where the Pac-12 collectively, as a whole. I mean, my 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 alma mater started this is all in two. Um, you know, going into last weekend, I remember sharing the, the information with Greg Heiser because we did the Wazoo Portland State game on the Pac-12 Network that. You know, after Oregon beat Ohio State, it, it could very well be a great day because Colorado led Texas A&M, so on and so forth. Um, but as we sit right now, I, I think that the, it's really unfortunate because, it, it, you know, SC is trying to make its mind of where they're going to go. And there's been several rumors out there about different coaches' possibilities from Eric the Enemy, the offensive coordinator of Kansas City Chiefs, and other people, so on and so forth. SC has to make a splash because SC is that big and that grand of a program. Um, it's great for UCLA to take down LSU. It's great for the Pac-12 to show that they can beat an SEC uh, school uh, when that hasn't happened in quite some time in the past. Um, but at the same point, the big markers for the Pac-12 aren't doing so well. And um, that includes SC as well as UW. Um, it's going to be anyone's guess on how they finish. But, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. We'll see what SC figures out or where they go from there. But I think SC has to make a splash with a namesake because SC is SC. But I just don't know where you go. Urban Meyer is not going to leave the game, uh, leave Jacksonville. Um, and it would cost too much to try to get him out. I, don't, I still don't think he's gone. So I, I just don't know where SC goes to make that splash. So you got that Washington connection as being one of their more uh, famous alums as a football player up there. I, I'm thinking maybe you have some inside information. I'm thinking Chris Peterson. I mean, this dude is really good, and he's only 56 years old. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I talked to Coach Peterson when he first left, and um, he said that he was just worn out. He was worn out of everything that goes on, the rigors of college football. 
And I can understand that. And, and there's usually, look, when, it, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, just like Urban Meyer, eventually you come back. I just don't know if, if uh, you know, Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director of UW, it can do enough to cite him to get back. Um, uh, and I don't know if he wants to come back. Right. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a very cushy job sitting in the studio on Fox Sports, guys, <laughs> talking about football when you just, get, just sit there in the green room all day and watch it. You know what I mean? Yep. I, trust me, I know. So I don't know if he wants to come back. I think SC is an even more enticing job, though, with name, image, and likeness. There's no cheating anymore. It's go time. <laughs> we can cheating. make this happen. There's always cheating. Okay, there is always cheating. There could be academic fraud, so that hasn't changed a bit. That's still right. over there. But as far as some rich USC booster in Orange County or Hollywood or whatever, hooking up a player, go get him, Tiger. Yeah, that's NIL. NIL is best. I mean, it, you, you, look at, you look at college football as a whole – there's amateur free agency with the transfer reporter, and there's NIL. And unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of universities around the country who want to sit back on their laurels and say, you know what, we offer a high education or we offer this or that. We don't need to compete but or, or try to get involved in stuff like NIL and paying students or paying athletes um, uh, that money. But the truth of the matter is that if you don't, you're missing the pot. I mean, you really are. You, you're, really, you're missing the boat. The fact is is that if you don't, other places are, and they're playing well. And so all of a sudden that becomes a factor in recruiting. That becomes a factor in, uh, for players' decision-making. And, and next thing you know, you've got school, one school who's loaded way more up on a talent level than others ones around them. So a week ago, Lincoln, I was ready to bench Anthony Brown. Shows you how much I know. Now I think he's a favorite to win the Heisman. Anthony Brown, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding on the latter. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding on the latter, but I, I just did not expect them to go into Columbus and win. And he looked great, and they won. Yeah, you know what? I will say this: um, Anthony Brown, in the first two games, hasn't looked as solid as I think you need for a championship caliber quarterback. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, getting them in the college football playoff and really making a, a, a stay. But the run game has, and Oregon needs to understand that. Um, Anthony Brown needs to understand, has to have more trust in his offensive line, which I think will come. And more importantly, he needs to stop you know, deciding to run so much because I think he's going to be beat up throughout the season. He's taken some really big hits the first couple of games I watched. So, um, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's like he's got to have more confidence in his offensive line, more confidence in his receivers, find ways to throw the ball instead of throwing, you know, little check down or short routes, be able to stretch the field. But more importantly, utilize that run game. And, and I think Oregon's best aspect is that run game. I think they'll get to it. I think Mario Cristobal and his staff have learned any, something after the first two games. They'll try to put all the illness on their quarterback. Let's use this run game. And, of course, they had a big time uh, one in, in Ohio State with running the football. We will leave it right there, Lincoln. We appreciate the time as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, guys. You be well. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst, Raider Radio Analyst, joining us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Matt Ortiz, co-host of the Sons of Montezuma podcast covering San Diego State football, will join us at 9.05 to talk Aztecs and Utes. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Question of the day. Well, look who responded, PK. Oh, my. They're all listening. We will get to that next. A reminder, join Hanson Scotty at University Federal Credit Union's grand opening of their Lehigh Meadowbrook branch Monday the 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 101 North, 1200 East in Lehigh. 
The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Utah tight end Cole Fotheringham with us. You guys put the rivalry game behind you quite yet? You moving on to San Diego State? Yes, sir. We got the film in this morning. We're going to make the corrections, and now our focus is on uh, San Diego State. Coaches like to use these situations as teaching moments. What did you see that stood out to you as a needing improvement? I think that, you know, as a team, we came out maybe a little too confident, and BYU had a great game plan, and they played a great game. They gave it to us, so all the respect to those guys, and we learned from our mistakes, and now now we're ready to get after the next opponent. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Utah RV Super Show is back at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, September 16th through the 19th. Join the Big Show Thursday and Friday from 2 to 7 p.m. See the newest technology and the latest trends in RVs. Question of the morning out there. The BYU football team beats Utah. The fans storm the field. Oh, and media. Believe me. (laughs) The last time... I wondered where you disappeared to. The Cougars did that. It was after the USC win, and BYU probably lost the next three games. Any worries about a repeat? Got to be worries. Willie, how little bro youth says, in a way, shouldn't you fans be thanking us? So many of them struggle with counting beyond 10. What? <laughs> Does that have anything to do with? <laughs> no, it's beyond 20 after you used your toes. Take the socks off. <laughs> Reno Mahe, at Reno Mahe, tweets DJ, you would ask that. Laughing, crying tears emoji. Actually, I asked it. You did. (laughs) But he doesn't know that because he's not on the Facebook page. But to get more responses, I copied and pasted it on my Twitter feed. But I replied to him, you didn't answer, dot, dot, dot. Should I read into that? Oh, nice. Throw it right back at him. Right? And then then I gave him the rock (laughs) with the arched eyebrows staring into the camera. Should I read into that? Okay. Well, it's interesting, though, because it's worth a discussion. We saw when BYU and Utah played, what was it, the uh, second year they were in the conference? They had a big emotional game. And then Utah's first trip to Tempe absolutely got annihilated. It's one of these games that you knew literally was over after the first quarter. That's very rare. But you knew, sitting in a press box that day, you knew full well this game is over. They can't compete. They That was one of the worst, if not the worst, Pac-12 games they've had against a team Didn't of that caliber. Didn't lose a heartbreaker, just got crushed. They really did, right from the start. They did. They it was shocking. They, they weren't in it. And yeah. it's probably been over 10 years, maybe four or five of those games. Cal, they had one Cal, Cal at, the, at the Giants baseball Oregon stadium. Oregon at a Pac-12 but, title but game. But see, that's him. Oregon. Yeah. We're talking about... Cal and ASU. There's a big difference between Oregon, Oregon at their peak and then Cal at ASU. Yeah. yeah, Oregon picking up win number eleven. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna pick, okay, I, I got three games here. You're gonna get blown out in one of them. Which one are you gonna pick? You're gonna go to that one, even though you had a really good team that year. You're still gonna go to that one. 
So there was an emotional letdown. And then why in the world did BYU lose three games after that? Yeah, I don't care how many injuries you had. Yeah, Steve tweets at us. They lost Zach Wilson to a broken thumb at Toledo. He missed two games during this stretch. So really, they just lost to Washington, who was a clearly better team than them. I'll give you Washington was a clearly better team. They played a two-game series with Washington. They got worked both times. So that's, that's actually a pretty healthy argument right there. Zach played most of the Toledo game and got hurt right at the very end. Was the uh, second to last drive, wasn't it? it yeah, was the game. He was chasing. He threw a pick, and he was chasing a guy down. Yeah, and he got hurt, and so he didn't play the last drive. So that's weak, is what you're saying? Exactly. I'm not buying that. I'll buy Washington was a better team, and I can buy if they well, had yeah. Zach. Maybe South Florida goes differently. But we've watched too much college Zach was football. A freshman. There are two stories. There are plenty of teams that have won big games in college football, and then had a letdown and not won the next week. That is, this is not a new story. This happens all the time. I've seen it before. It happens all the time. You're closing the door. You leave the, the world, world behind. behind. <laughs> Yako's going to his happy place. Brandon looks at that question about BYU and they lost the three next games after USC and just sends back the Michael Scott, get from the office. Why are you the way you are? Probably, why why probably am I talk, not the way I am? Probably talking to Co- to uh, Toby in HR. <laughs> <laughs> why are you the way you are? <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utes, after a big loss, will they let it multiply into another loss? They play San Diego State. In a semi-neutral field in Carson, California, Matt Ortiz, co-host of the Sons of Montezuma podcast, will join us next. Stay with us.